A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord, you say, the Lord's way is not fair. Hear now, house of Israel. Is it my way that is unfair? Or rather, are not your ways unfair? When someone virtuous turns away from virtue to commit iniquity and dies, it is because of the iniquity he committed that he must die. But if he turns from the wickedness he has committed and does what is right and just, he shall preserve his life. Since he has turned away from all the sins that he has committed, he shall surely live. He shall not die. The word of the Lord. reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. Brothers and sisters, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any solace in love, any participation in the Spirit, any compassion and mercy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, with the same love, united in heart, thinking one thing. Do nothing out of selfishness or out of vain glory, rather, Humbly regard others as more important than yourselves, each looking out not for his own interests, 
but also for those of others. Have in you the same attitude that is also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness, and found human in appearance. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. Dominus Vobiscum. Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Matthäum. Jesus said to the chief priests and elders of the people, what is your opinion? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. He said in reply, I will not. But afterwards changed his mind and went. The man came to the other son and gave the same order. He said in reply, yes, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did his father's will? They answered, the first. Jesus said to them, amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. 
When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him, but tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe him. Verbum Domini. We welcome the Knights of Columbus here this morning. The uh, State Deputy of Mississippi is here, Guy Hine, as well as State Deputy for Alabama, Danny Garcia. And they have brought the Silver Rose. And the Silver Rose, there's actually eight of them that travel from the north, some in Canada, some northern United States. And the eight of them travel through the United States, end up in Laredo, Texas, where they're brought across the bridge. And there's actually knights in Mexico who will run that to the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe, arriving on December 12th, the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I was telling Skip, who is a director of the pro-life efforts of the knights here in Alabama, I'll actually be there. Uh, Father Leonard and I are going to be making five programs on Our Lady of Guadalupe. So I hope I get to see those knights running the Silver Rose. And the intention of these Silver Roses is that inspire us to pray for the pro-life efforts. And every time we see a rose, to say a Hail Mary for the unborn. Why don't we do that now? Let's pray for the unborn. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the unborn, pray for us. It was in 1887 that a 14-year-old girl had attended Sunday Mass. And she had her little missile. And as she was leaving church, one of her prayer cards fell out. And this holy card that she had had the pierced and wounded hands of Jesus with the blood coming from his hands. And when she saw this card laying there, the thought came to her, how the blood of Jesus had fallen and nobody often notices. You see, the blood of Jesus that was recounted in that beautiful hymn that we have from Philippians, perhaps the most important or well-known scripture, Philippians chapter 2, speaking of the preexistence of the eternal word who took on human form, who emptied himself, even to death on a cross, but now is exalted so that every name should bow, every knee should bow at the name of Jesus because God has highly exalted him. And so she has this inspiration really that often that people don't even recognize this profound love 
of God manifested in the shed blood, the pierced hands and feet and side of Jesus, who died for love of us. And she determined that she would remain always at the foot of the cross and that she would pray for the salvation of souls. And so this desire came to her when in the newspapers, very shortly, there was an account of a triple murder that had happened in Paris on March 17th, again, 1887. And people didn't know who had done it. There were some suspicions. But eventually, it was just a little over a week later, they got this man by the name of Henri Pranzini. And it was found then that his bloodstained clothing, the jewelry that had been stolen was found. And it was quite obvious that he was the man who had committed this triple, this horrible murder, triple murder. 30-year-old woman, her maidservant, and her 12-year-old daughter were horrified at even the thought of that. But he was claiming his innocence, and he was unrepentant until the end. And Therese, learning of this, so this little 14-year-old girl, her name was Therese, St. Therese, who typically we celebrate, of course, her feast day, October 1st, on Sunday. We focus always on the resurrection of our Lord. But I wanted to use this story in Therese's life to illustrate our scriptures today. And so Therese, this 14-year-old girl, at the time, she's determined she's going to pray for Henri Pranzini. And here's what she wrote later in her autobiography. That she, she had this desire, this prayer. My, my God, I'm quite sure that you will pardon this unhappy Pranzini. I should still think so if he did not confess his sins or give any sign of sorrow, because I have such confidence in your unbounded mercy. But this is my first sinner, and therefore I beg for just one sign of repentance to reassure me. And so the day he was condemned, he was, uh, his trial was in July, he was found guilty of this triple murder. Everything pointed to that. And he was to be executed by the guillotine August 31st, 1887. And so it was on that day when he's brought then to where he's going to be executed. The chaplain is there, priest chaplain. And suddenly before ascending to his execution, he turns around asks for the crucifix, and kisses three times the precious wounds of Jesus. And so Jesus said the day after his execution, Therese didn't know this at the time, the day after his execution, I hastily opened the paper and what did I see? Tears betrayed my emotions. I was obliged to run out of the room Pranzini had mounted the scaffold without confessing or receiving absolution and turned around, seized the crucifix which the priest was offering to him, 
and kissed our Lord's sacred wounds three times. I had obtained the sign I asked for, and to me it was especially sweet. Was it not when I saw the precious blood flowing from the wounds of Jesus that the thirst for souls first took possession of me? My prayer was granted to the letter. And what this story illustrates to us, yes, that we should pray for sinners, but also that we should never lose hope. And for those who may have lost heart, you know, Bernard of Clairvaux, St. Bernard, he said that some don't repent, some do not turn to the Lord because they think they're a hopeless case. Perhaps there's some of you out there who, because of your past, you say, well, no, I could never darken the door of the church. It'd probably fall in on me, you know, that I could never, ever turn back to, he could never forgive me. And Bernard of Clairvaux said that there are some who don't return to the Lord because of that. They think that they're a hopeless case, or maybe they've tried and they continue to fail because of some addictive sort of behavior that they have. And they say, well, it's just not possible. Well, realize that it is possible because of the grace of God. That everyone, and there's no one beyond his reach, beyond the power of his precious blood, even Henri Pranzini, prayed for by little Therese when she was 14. And then later, of course, praying for many souls during her time in the monastery in, uh, in the Sioux. But there's no one that's beyond that, the reach of the Lord. So don't let your past define you. Don't let your past define you as if, okay, it's already set. It can never be changed. And the Lord is bringing this out to us. That here, John the Baptist is preaching and there are those who say, we don't need to change. And he's saying, you didn't, you didn't even change when you saw that there were tax cholesterols and prostitutes who were. They were having this change of life. They were deciding to live a better life, a holy life. They heard it. They realized their need. And they responded. And so it is for us that whatever in the past is there, it doesn't define us. And even in the Old Testament, God speaks of this. Sometimes you hear the idea, well, the God of the Old Testament well, was this harsh God. Well, listen to what Ezekiel says. The one who turns from the wickedness he has committed and does what is right and just, he shall preserve his life since he has turned away from all the sins he has committed, he shall surely live. He shall not die. So what Ezekiel, what God is saying to the prophet Ezekiel, you're not defined by that. It's when you turn away from that, you decide, I'm going to live a different life. I'm going to live a godly life. God says through Ezekiel, he shall surely live. He shall not die. That's the beauty of our faith. We're never beyond rescue. We're never beyond hope. You know, I've been traveling a, a bit, and 
went to the first time to Idaho to the uh, Catholic Women's Conference they have in Idaho every year. Got to meet some wonderful people of faith and visit uh, parishioners in Grangeville where they grow a lot of wheat and uh, down in Boise area, uh, Nampa, and then further south in the Twin Falls area. And one of the things that um, was an encouragement for me too was one of the speakers at the women's conference was a sister Faustina, a sister of the children of Mary. And she said to me how EWTN had changed her family's life. Her mother had been a fallen away Catholic for 25 years. Well, she had a rental car. She gets in this rental car and the previous renter had set it to EWTN. <laughs> and so she's listing and what's on the radio but Catholic Answers. Well, Catholic Answers is like answering objections to our faith. And she's listening to this. And that very day, she said, my mother decided to go to confession and to return to her Catholic faith. And then that continues today, that she continues to feed her soul through Catholic programming and seeks to grow in holiness of life. Well, Sister Faustina was 12 years old at the time. She had never been baptized, but now her mother's listening to Catholic radio and she's hearing it as a 12 year old. And she says, mom, I wanna be baptized. I wanna come into the church. And now she's a religious sister in this community devoted especially in helping people to come to know and love our Lord in his Eucharistic presence. So you see how the Lord continually is reaching out to those that may have gone astray, to us when we go astray. And so today's readings remind us too, we can't give up this life of virtue. We can't decide, well, it looks pretty good out there. I want to live a life of sin. No, this is a warning to us too that no, we can't make that choice. We have to continue on this path that leads to true life. St. Paul says that Jesus did not grasp divinity. And so it's not for us to grasp the things of this world, but rather to be grasped by the Lord Jesus, as St. Paul would say in another place. I've been grasped by him, and so I cling to him, because that's where the true life is. But also to realize that Whatever, again, our past does not define us. And I sometimes in the confessional will recommend Psalm 25, the psalm that we had today. Because here's what we heard. The sins of my youth and my frailties remember not. In your kindness, remember me because of your goodness, O Lord. Probably most of us have things in our past, in our youth, the foolishness of youth, that we regret. And maybe we still grieve over them in some way. Well, this psalm, Psalm 25, reminds us it's a prayer. The sins of my youth, remember not. Why? 
in your kindness, remember me. Don't remember my sins, but remember me. Why? Because of your goodness, O Lord. I'm appealing to your goodness. Evident in Ezekiel's words, too, that we shall surely live. We won't die. Whatever our past may have been, when we turn away from wickedness and we choose the path of life, the cho choose the way of God. St. Therese tells a charming story of her childhood and how it really, she said, set the course of the rest of her spiritual life. And it was when Leone, her older sister, brought a basket of doll and doll clothes and she presented them to Celine and Therese, her little sisters. And she said, choose what you want. And so Celine chose a couple of things. And Therese said, I choose all. <laughs> I choose it all. I choose it all. And she said, I understood, too, that there were many degrees of perfection and each soul was free to respond to the advances of our Lord to do little or much for him. In a word, to choose among the sacrifices he was asking. Then, as in the days of my childhood, I cried out, my God, I choose all. I don't want to be a saint by halves. I'm not afraid to suffer for you. I fear only one thing, to keep my own will. So take it, for I choose all that you will. I choose all that you will. That's the path of holiness. That's the way of the saints. I choose all your will in everything, in every element of my life. You who chose me, who did not deem equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied yourself, becoming a slave, dying the death of a slave on the cross, and therefore God has highly exalted you. And I bow my knee and my head at your holy name, because you have manifested your love, as Therese understood, in your precious blood, those wounds that you shed for us, who have sinned against you, often in our youth. Remember not the sins of my youth, O Lord. In your kindness, remember me. Why? Because of your goodness, O Lord. Because of your goodness, O Lord. That's the good news that we have, and that's what St. Therese had to teach us. And you know, at the end of her short life, she only lived to be 24. The sisters were gathered around her bed as she was dying. And she grasped that crucifix that had so moved her when she saw that holy card fall to the ground. She grasped that crucifix, which also depicted the wounds of our Savior. She looked at that, looked at that crucifix, and she said, Oh, I love him. My God, I love you. Mother Agnes, the abbess, said, the sisters had time to kneel around her bed and were witnesses to the ecstasy of the little dying saint. 
Her face had regained the lily-white complexion it always had in full health. Her eyes were fixed above, brilliant with peace and joy. After her death, she had a heavenly smile. She was ravishingly beautiful. She was holding her crucifix so tightly that we had to force it from her hands to prepare her for burial. She knew that was her salvation too. It was Henri Pranzini's, her first sinner, as she would put it, for whom she had interceded, and how he kissed those wounds on, depicted on the cross, which gave her confirmation that indeed he had turned away from his wickedness at that last moment. And it's also our salvation. That beautiful hymn in Philippians. Let me just read it one last time to conclude this homily. Have in you the same attitude that is also in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness, and found human in appearance. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father.